Hello and welcome to Blockchain Gaming World, episode 65. I'm your host, John Jordan, and uh, with me today is uh, Sebastian Boger, who is the COO of uh, The Sandbox. How's it going, Sebastian? Very well, John. It's a pleasure to be with you on this 65 episode. <laughs> episode 65, yes. Time, time zooms on. And it was kind of funny because because uh, you've never been on before, which is which is a, a bit of a uh, a bit of a uh, kind of a negation on my part because you should have been on before. So it's, it's it's good to finally have you. So um, it's always good, I think, to, to, for guests to kind of explain a little bit about how they got into the industry. And, and actually, we should, I should say, kind of up, up front, we've known each other for quite a long time because we've both come out of the mobile game space. Um, so uh, it's, it must have been getting on. I don't know how many years is it now. Eight years, probably eight, nine. Eight years, eight years. You think we've known, we've known each other? Good. And we both we both made the transition to to kind of blockchain. I guess roughly the same time. But uh, for people who don't know you, can you give uh, like a brief potted history of um, you know what you what you how you got into kind of games or what you did before games and and how you kind of got into uh, blockchain? Yeah, of, of course. So well, I started in 2018 with my partner Arthur Madrid, uh, co-founding a startup focused on. Uh, content delivery using uh, one of the first decentralized technology, which is uh, BitTorrent, the peer-to-peer protocol. Uh, we were developing plugin to enable users to uh, brands like and TV channels, like uh, in France, TF1, MCs, Roland Garros, etc., to save uh, on their bandwidth cost by using uh, BitTorrent client for video-on-demand catch-up TVs. Uh, was acquired by CDN Network uh, two years after. Then we worked, uh, we created an online media streaming website, enabling users to upload their photo, video, music in a cloud and um, share them with friends. We had 10 of thousand of uh, monthly subscribing users and we sold out the company two years later um, for the technology. And in 2011, we started our third company, Pixel, by the time, which is a mobile game studio focusing on creating uh, builder games, city builder with IPs like Garfield, Snoopy, Goosebumps, uh, more recently, Adam's Family. We've had great success with those titles. And our largest success has been uh, the Sandbox uh, mobile game that we launched in 2012 was a 2D single-player mobile game allowing creators to make their pixel art, pixel um, pixelized world using 500 different elements and share them them in an online gallery. Um, we've had over 40 million installs, uh, 70 million creation made by users, and uh, the game has been uh, featured many times by uh, Apple and Google. It was named one of the best games of 2000. 12 and 13. Um, so it's been a large success and we moved this success to this new version uh, following our acquisition by Animo Car Brands in 2018. Uh, moving to this time a 3D multiplayer, multi-platform version and that used blockchain technology to empower creators through uh, non-fungible tokens and cryptocurrencies. Yeah. Cool. We're, just, just to point out, we're, we're all working from home at the moment, <laughs> so, so there may well be some, some interruptions from, um, from small children. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> no, no. Sorry, you, you could hear that. 
<laughs> we're all used to it I've, I've had it in had it in lots of lots of video calls this week <laughs> people suddenly strange noises happen that's, that's the, the way of the world now so <laughs> that's absolutely fine you, you might hear my children in a minute um yeah so so it's kind of interesting you've been you know been an entrepreneur uh, you and you and um, arthur through through various different kind of companies and 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 obviously you know exiting exiting companies is is, is really kind of successful um uh but how did how did kind of blockchain come along because obviously you kind of meant you said yeah, the sandbox went through. I think it's kind of three or so kind of versions on mobile, and all a bit more complicated. I remember playing the first one that was even I could play that, so it must have been fairly simple. Um, but they all got more and more complicated. At what point did you did you kind of think this is a this is a, would be a good kind of title to go on the blockchain? And how did you get into kind of blockchain? Were you into kind of the, the Bitcoin crypto side of things, or have you come at it more from the kind of you know we make games? Would it be, would it be useful to have kind of item ownership on the blockchain? I started with blockchain probably around the end of two thousand. 16, I got interested into uh, Bitcoin mining and the technology itself. So I bought books. I, I read a lot, and I started the uh, mining grid on my in my home. Um, and then along the year of 2017, I, I got progressively more involved in that topic. And then toward the, uh, I, remember, I don't remember exactly when CryptoKitties was born and CryptoPunks, but that was really. The, the first phase for non-fungible tokens. Uh, and that's also um, by good coincidence exactly when uh, Animoca brands uh, entered also uh, the space of blockchain gaming through their investment into uh, Dapper Lab, the parent company of uh, CryptoKitties. Uh, then uh, at the same time, we were in discussion for the acquisition of Pixel with them. So that's... Um, that, that good coincidence in the fact that we work in mobile gaming with brands and we have uh, this strong interest now into uh, this technology, which is blockchain, and we want to be pioneers into adopting it into games um, as, as driven us to, to, to move really uh, further into um, by implementing the technology for um, in, in the game. And... Uh, as we mature the idea and our understanding of the technology, hiring key people in our team like Ronan Sanford, our blockchain architect as well, we really saw that it makes sense to combine user-generated content with non-fungible tokens. Like the fact that it's not just any game item that is tokenized at an NFT, but it's your creation. It really reinforced this uh, idea of... Uh, um, it's your creation. You can do what you want, and you should be able to do what we want with it. Just like it was a physical object, you can sell it on any marketplace. You could potentially use it across multiple games, and um, it was not possible uh, uh, with the technology. It's something that we couldn't offer to our creators in the sandbox mobile version, despite having them. Uh, putting literally hours or days of work into creating games or elements. And it's something that in a broader manner is the industry when we see uh, Minecraft or Roblox or even uh, multiplayer virtual worlds that are centralized. Um, all the control is locked inside those platform. And we've all even see that. Uh, so when those platform uh, went down, the creators lost everything. So as a player or as a creator, if I leave Minecraft, I leave Roblox, all my content 
is lost. Um, so, uh, and I cannot really monetize it the way I want. We even see companies like Activision or uh, with World of Warcraft and uh, Blizzard saying that anything you make, including modes, is ours. It's not uh, your property. Uh, and we found that it, it was not fair and not just not fair, but it was a huge missed opportunity uh, in terms of potential monetization. Yeah, and uh, we, we believe that uh, with the new sandbox, we have the capacity to build this uh, decentralized virtual world that participate to this uh, ambitious vision of uh, metaverse where all the content is owned by the users, can be monetized by them uh, in uh, multiple ways. Uh, and we provide a tool for them to create using uh, voxels, those 3D cubes, sort of digital Legos, uh, that provide a common aesthetic within our virtual world. And can also, once those 3D voxel models are tokenized as game items, they can uh, be used not only on the sandbox game maker, but potentially also on uh, other games and platforms that would implement mm -hmm. them. I mean, it is interesting because the... Yeah, we, you kind of mentioned there, um, kind of uh, Minecraft and Roblox, which are the kind of the, obviously the two massive kind of global, you know, multi-billion-dollar <laughs> kind of uh, user-generated content kind of platforms. Um, and, and I guess we see the, the kind of current success of Roblox coming because you can you can now do kind of monetization within there to some degree. Obviously, it's not an open platform, but but people can. Some people are making you know, quite a lot of money by making games within Roblox. Um, so I think what, what's interesting is is I guess when I think about kind of blockchain. It's always this kind of idea of there's decentralization, but you know how much decentralization do you really need? How much, how how many problems is decentralization kind of bringing you? And you know is is that is that kind of causing kind of more obstacles than the kind of benefits you're getting? So so I guess one of the interesting kind of things with you guys, I mean you're not launched yet, so you, so <laughs> you kind of don't know, um, but um, do you? Um, how 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 do you feel? You've had the, you have this big vision for everything to be you know, or at least everyone to be able to to create their own stuff and then sell it on a marketplace in the game and potentially it goes into other games. But how have you felt um, trying to trying to put that vision onto the kind of current generation of blockchain? Because you're using Ethereum uh, and you, you're using side chains as well. Or you're using Layer Two. I don't know which one you're using at the moment, but um, you can tell us that. But you're basically you're basically using kind of you're not using any kind of funky new blockchain. You're not you're not using. Um, any of the new ones coming up that have these, it would be easy to do it on. You're using a you know fairly standard Ethereum, Ethereum version two might happen at some point, but but probably probably not by the time you're alive. So how how do you feel that kind of tension between this grand vision for what you want to do and the fact you're you are kind of running on Ethereum as it is, and maybe with some sidechain stuff? Because because that those are quite big obstacles in terms of certainly in terms of user experience. All right, there's a few questions, few points I'm interested to answer in this. Uh... Uh, in your, um, what you just said, the first thing is uh, how we are competing with uh, Roblox in a sense. In a Roblox model, uh, the main users who are monetizing or making revenue are game creators who can uh, earn Robux from uh, the players who are playing their game and the ones who are trading items on their marketplace. So uh, as a player in the, this model, it's pretty much limited, like it's easy for uh, to buy Robux within Apple Chase, but it's very hard to get those Robux out in fiat um, 
because uh, the company controls the exchange rate. You have to be part of uh, the Roblox Builder Club to have access to a certain ref share. You need a minimum of revenue to cash out and uh, you need to comply with certain age and other requirements. So, so they make it really hard, in a sense, for you any player to monetize, even though the, on the big lines, when you read the, the article, it, it sounds like some or users are monetizing quite well. So, and uh, if you dig in the numbers, you can see that only a very few large games are, are actually monetizing very well, but the barrier to entry to new games um, is pretty high and the revenues or generates um, is, is not in the same level as those who joined the platform 10 years ago. So that's been really a prime mover advantage. And the way we want to approach it with Sandbox is like anyone who participates in Sandbox virtual world platform should be able to reward it for that participation. Not only game creator, but also the artist who provide the content, but the player as well. So that's a key aspect that we're uh, spending a lot of time uh, at the moment is to define how as a player I can actually be rewarded with sand and other tokens uh, and what can I, what drives me to earn in this platform. So, so I think it's important and, and um, yeah, at some point we'll be highlighting over the next months in how we are presenting the game platform and why we, as a player, it would be more interesting for you to, to join our platform than uh, Minecraft or Roblox. Then about the technology side, um, so definitely, like if you look at our platform, there's several products, the Voxel Editor, the Marketplace, uh, the game maker, the blockchain technology, and the token aspect. So uh, it's not just three user product. It, I think it's five. And each of these products has a strong importance, whether it's on the uh, user experience development, but also um, uh, technology and legal and administrative side. Uh, and uh, coming from traditional background, uh, mobile free-to-play game development, it, it's a strong difference. Like, it's true that we've been accustomed uh, through the Apple Store and Google Play Store to not have to take care anymore or think about, like, all right, how I'm going to collect payment, how I'm going to manage my distribution, because this is what... Apple and Google essentially uh, provided in exchange of the 30% commission rate. Um, but overall, if you look at the history of uh, uh, gaming, PC gaming, even before Apple and Google Play came out, we had uh, successful game companies that were able to distribute their game directly by themselves. So. Uh, we, I think we are a path towards uh, success with them. So they are definitely part of our multi-platform strategy, but it doesn't mean we cannot succeed without them. Um, Roblox, before it moved to mobile and console, was a self-download on roblox.com website as well, uh, as a typical example. Um, and in terms of blockchain, so we chose Ethereum, we developed on uh, Ethereum because, uh, well, uh, 
it's already almost two years that we started the project. So when we started our key development team on the blockchain side, they had experience already working with uh, Ethereum. Ronan's Ford uh, started back in 2016. Uh, he created the platform Interplay and then he contributed to standards like uh, ERC-1155 while working uh, on Sandbox. Um, and uh, the Ethereum blockchain has, uh, to date, the most developed developer ecosystem support a number of dApps running. So we, and, um, I think there's probably better technical solutions that uh, very smart people are working on. Uh, but it's still too early since considering we are not yet live as a game platform to consider switching to additional to, to any other blockchain. So uh, on a mid-term, long-term perspective, we are open to collaborate with several other blockchain and uh, see how we can build our metaverse outside of Ethereum. But as a game company, we need to also think our priority should be to ship again and start generating uh, constant revenue, not just through... Uh, the, this is important, of course, the pre-sale model and something new, but it's not the full revenue model. Like The revenue model should be through having uh, active players who create content, who uh, come back and, and uh, engage with the platform, play in game, spend time and potentially uh, tokens inside those games. Etc. We we see with most blockchain games, um, you know, they, they kind of struggle for audience, um, partly because of onboarding and partly because just kind of designing around blockchain is it, it can be kind of quite it can, it can throw up you know lots of complexity, not just on the kind of onboarding side actually, but how how the game actually kind of works and, and what things you're using blockchain for. I mean, considering you're you're just not making a game, you're making a game making platform which has you know multiple bits. I mean, they don't. I guess they. Um, all have to kind of uh, attach to the blockchain in some way. I mean, you've got your voxel editor, you've got your marketplace, you've got your you know actual kind of you know in game environment. Um, yeah, this is all incredibly complicated. Just even if you weren't doing it on the blockchain, <laughs> so so um, you know how's how's that process been like? You know, has it has, has it what kind of challenges have you have you had to overcome over the last kind of two years um, when you're kind of building this? It just strikes me that there's like so many moving parts that you've got going on there. Um, that, you know, it just seemed like a, like a, a bit of a nightmare. But obviously, you're doing it, so so you've worked out you worked out how to kind of get around some of those things, I assume. Yeah, well, well but you and I, being such a long time in the game industry, we we know that it takes time to build to build a great game. And, and the truth in game development industry is like most of the time, uh, games are being delayed uh, and it's always ship later than they expected. So. Uh, what we are seeing in the industry, like uh, we are just the first quarter of 2020, is there still uh, uh, many big high quality games that are uh, not yet fully launched or uh, they are just in beta at the moment. So this key uh, adoption moment that the whole industry is looking is still... Um, um, uh, uh, it's still likely to happen as one of those games is going to ship 
all multiple games are shipping simultaneously. What we saw before, I don't think is fully representative because um, uh, there has been games that's been launched, but their design has been focused on primitive of blockchains first, rather than gaming first. So they have succeeded to attract um, the majority of the blockchain audience, but they haven't yet uh, succeeded to attract uh, the casual mass market mainstream audience. And our positioning is we need to have a niche where we succeed. And we need to have also a strong uh, uh, value proposition for regular mainstream users. So in that sense, uh, we embrace NFTs, we embrace decentralization, but we don't want to make it a barrier to have millions of users able to enter our, our game platform. So we'll, uh, we are thinking on how we can uh, facilitate the onboarding make user experience choices that preserve the decentralization, the true ownership and the use of our cryptocurrency without necessarily being the first step to enter the product. So that, that in that sense, that will enable users and players to uh, taste the platform, get engaged with it, earn potentially and um, uh, at the time they desire, they can uh, cash out or uh, export their content, trade it, uh, etc., mm-hmm. as NFTs. So, I mean, I don't know if you if you've kind of um, sorted out your kind of onboarding flow yet. I mean, from what you're saying, it sounds like you people will be able to sign up without creating wallets and that sort of thing. Is that is that? Am I correct in that assumption? <laughs> if if I'm just a newbie and I come and I hear about this great thing in the sandbox, I just want to like experience it uh, what, what, what are you thinking about what your kind of act, the actual steps will be what we'll have to do yeah so that's already the case uh, right now on our dashboard you can uh, create an account with an email and password and you can choose whether uh, you connect an actual wallet if you have one or you with one of our partner bitski you just put an email and password and you get a wallet without even knowing it's one and uh, we are looking at how we can make that experience even more mainstream, potentially pushing the point where you need an account to interact with a platform at a later stage. Uh, about 60% of our users already, I think we have something like 7,000 accounts to date, even though the platform is not yet launched. Huh? And uh, 60% of them have used Bitski rather than MetaMask which shows that uh, we are able to address both uh, crypto um, uh, savvy audience and traditional gamer, artists, and non-crypto users. You can, you, I imagine um, that the, the initial people who get, who get quite excited about this are the people who are, who are potentially going to be the makers, so the people who have the ability to, to use the voxel editor um, and kind of create things. Um, and in a sense that there are more, they, they may not know anything about blockchain, but they're going to be more kind of technically kind of savvy kind of type of audience. Probably they're not going to be, they may be eight-year-old kids, but maybe they're more likely to be um, kind of older 
uh, people uh, if they're kind of doing that kind of even with voxel 3D modeling is, is fairly um, kind of kind of complex. So so I guess you have a, a kind of a natural gating there that people are going to get really interested in it. Are the people who are going to create be creating these things. And then, then maybe you know, month, a few months or even years down the line, you kind of have you start to kind of naturally pick up a more kind of casual audience. So, I, I guess sometimes we think with with or with like mobile games, we expect it to be like a big launch with millions of downloads and everyone's playing straight away. I guess with something like the Sandbox, do you think it will be a bit more kind of gradual? You're, you know, you'll probably go through various open betas and that sort of thing anyway. But do you do you imagine it will be that kind of like uh, that that kind of steady um, kind of pickup of, of audience, or are you expecting a big like day one launch? A key component of our strategy is to make sure that there will be enough content, both on the marketplace for creator, for game creator, and on our map and metaverse in terms of like game experience that everyone will be able to experience. So that indeed, as a player, when I enter, I'll have enough uh, things of interest to do, and I will not experience this. A uh, very common uh, pattern in a virtual world, where you feel alone in the world. I think it's it's not a great experience if, as a player, specifically in multiplayer social environment, I log in, uh, I, I walk the world, and I can walk literally for several minutes without crossing any users in there. And um, uh, so we have to think on strategies on how we can prevent this uh, experience and make it much more engaging for everyone. Maybe limiting the, the space that will be available for players to come initially, showing how they are spawned uh, on the map and uh, uh, to make sure that there's this social distancing, which is, uh, we are trying something, we're trying to at the moment, due to the pandemic, we, we try to be far from each other. But for the gameplay of a virtual world, we need to have it very close on the opposite. And there's no mm -hmm. risk involved in this case. Yeah, I guess it's interesting. You just 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 announced um, kind of on that on that kind of point. Maybe you just announced this this kind of deal with Atari, and, and Atari going to have these big um, kind of areas in the in 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 the sandbox where they're going to have like a it's like a themed kind of. I mean, I, I saw one, I think the screenshot for the one I saw was the uh, was the roller coaster tycoon kind of one. So you have this kind of big roller coaster and stuff. And I and I, and I guess you have the ability to ha you're going to have these high profile kind of high visibility you know exciting. Um, kind of places that I guess you know will, people will tend to congregate around those anyway, and obviously people have their own their own little kind of worlds that they're creating, maybe for their friends. But but you you've, you've got that kind of um, uh, yeah, there's big attractive things that imagine you know you can kind of for, you know not force people into, but people will, will be attracted to those kind yeah. of inherently it's anyway. So. Uh, we have like traditional gaming companies. Uh, we have Square Enix as one of our investor. We have. Brands like Shaun the Sheep, and now we have Atari, have one of our key partners, but presents in our metaverse through this Atari virtual theme park. We are open to bring those traditional large gaming companies to build on a platform because we believe they will also be attracting uh, their audience, their fan, and more traditional gamers. And it, with the Atari theme park, we are mimic the real mimicking the real world so if i have to name like a few places in the world where so many people gathers and enjoy playing together etc well disneyland and theme park is one of them so 
how can we have a legitimate, uh, strong, uh, uh, visible uh, theme park? And Warrior Coaster Tycoon is, is typically one of the strongest IP in the world of uh, theme parks. It's been for uh, such a long time in the game industry. It's recognized on PC and mobile. Uh, and I think it's pretty cool to have this um, social help where a lot of players will be able to come, to work, to chat, to interact with others, to collaborate and potentially play simple uh, social games or uh, 3D voxelized games inspired by the Atari's uh, IPs, which uh, everyone knows and are super uh, accessible to anyone, like playing Pong, playing Breakout, uh, doesn't require any specific skills. So that, that's really aligned with our strategy of how we become mainstream. And it has more generally it has been interesting how you know how many collaborations you know that you have managed to. I mean, already is it because well over fifty kind of partnerships you've done um, with with mainly blockchain kind of kind of companies and, and and game companies, but but as you say, kind of kind of wider ones as well. And it and and I guess that does um, kind of show that 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 actually. A lot of people think it seems to be a lot. A lot of a lot of people think that the, the, the sandbox is going to be, you know, one of the um, one of the kind of uh, big blockchain projects to kind of watch. Because I guess we've not really had, as you kind of said, we've not really had anything kind of very big yet um, that's kind of get or anything that's gained much scale. So I think I think definitely within the, in the industry there is this kind of anticipation for you know what's going to be the big kind of breakout kind of project. I mean, do you, do you kind of feel that kind of pressure? <laughs> that, that, that kind of people are relying, people are relying on you to make blockchain gaming big. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yes, in, in a way, um, it, it, when you become the high-profile companies that's uh, uh, going to be one of the most anticipated game, but we are not the one launching first this year. Uh, it, it adds to the pressure, and this pressure translates into our. Uh, how our different round of land resale will be successful or not. So far, I think uh, it's been really uh, uh, motivating for me and the whole team to see uh, how the demand was matching the supply. Uh, we are eager to see on uh, this upcoming Tuesday, March 31st at 1 p.m. GMT, how the third round of land resale will go. Um, but yes, I, I think it's not just about blockchain and blockchain gaming here. Like we're trying to compete with Minecraft and Roblox, and those are juggernauts with hundreds of millions of monthly active players. So how a relatively small team like us today can still um, disrupt those by itself is very challenging and ambitious. But it's not impossible. We've seen it. We've seen companies like Fortnite coming up and becoming the new leader again. So when success happens, they can happen at a scale that's really, really so much higher than uh, what we saw before uh, when, for example, we, we started in the mobile game industry and those the first hits were like Temple Run or Angry Birds, mm. etc. And I think the, the nice thing about it, uh, about the sandbox, is it, it does... 
Um, I mean, whether it's successful or not, um, <laughs> we'll wait and see. But but yeah, I think it does. It's probably the, one of the best projects to kind of encapsulate, you know, what is best about the um, you know the ownership model of blockchain, which I guess is what most blockchain game projects are are focused on um, at the moment. Um, and I think you know, in, in kind of games, you know, you, you can own some characters and and you know. Those you can level them up and, and and make them more kind of valuable and and that's kind of fine as a model but but I think it, you know with the sandbox it kind of brings it kind of much more makes it much more individual for people at least the the creators who are actually creating these things uh, and if they realize that then they can sell them then obviously that becomes like you know more than a hobby becomes you know potentially a job for them and uh, and that ownership model you know because it is kind of player to player um you know not really as you pointed out not not really con- you know not controlled by by you as the developer of the overall platform i think that's 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 the kind of most powerful thing that i've always thought about kind of you know blockchain is that ownership thing and making that very concrete to people um is i've always thought the 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 big thing that will that will make blockchain games take off or or make at that point make all other games have to <laughs> have to kind of bring in that kind of ownership model so um so I, yeah i think I think that's personally why I'm most interested in in what you guys are up to. So, <laughs> thanks, John. I'm really happy that you share that vision. Uh, I think in general, there's a few couple model and category of game that really fits much nicer than uh, uh, with use of NFTs, and those are like you sandbox game, trading card game, PvP RPGs, and the uh, gamer audience behind and user audience. Is they are broad. They are, we're talking about hundreds of million of players, but they have sometimes not overlap. So uh, I'm still very bullish that there will be uh, massive success upcoming this year with uh, other titles uh, leading in those category of games, and we are focusing to make to hopefully be the success in the user generated content and sandbox games. Good. Well, I think that's that's a half half an hour of uh, of talk up. I think that, that that's uh, that's probably a good enough introduction. We we'll obviously come back um, and talk to you again nearer the time when we have a, like a, a formalised kind of launch. I know at the moment you're just saying you're later in 2020, so that uh, gives us a bit of time. And yeah, um, should point out to everyone that that the uh, the third um, land sale. So there's going to be five in total. This is the third one. I think a 20% discount. Is that right? Is that the, uh, the discount at the moment? Um, so, so land discounted twenty percent. Um, that starts on thirty uh, first of March. So, I better get the podcast out by then. <laughs> but just to say, thanks very much for your uh, time, Sebastian. Thanks, Joel. Um, and thanks uh, for you uh, listeners uh, who are listening. Don't forget, if you're interested in blockchain games, um, please do subscribe um, via your uh, podcast provider of choice. So, we do um, pretty regular interviews with, with with people who are making pl- uh, blockchain games and. Uh, do kind of shorter news uh, stories as well um, as, as interesting news comes up. So we, we're hopefully covering the blockchain game space pretty um, heavily. Uh, and if that's your thing, do subscribe. But thanks for listening to this one and hope to see you again soon.